So it goes. But what does it mean? Used liberally through the book, Slaughterhouse-Five achieved a status that no other wartime book had at the time. The genre tended to laud the hero as they fought the good fight and did what had to be done. But Slaughterhouse-Five told a very different story. The events of the firebombing of Dresden occurred in February of 1945, but its horrors remained locked up in Kurt Vonnegut's mind for over 24 years. You see, coming back from the war, many vets were often hailed as heroes, protectors of liberty and peace. But some of the vets, like Vonnegut, didn't feel that way based on what they'd seen. In the Dresden bombing, an estimated 25,000 civilians lost their lives. Vonnegut, a survivor of this event, was forced to relive this attack many times over in his mind, reliving a horrific moment in humanity's past. Years later, with no military target in sight, no wartime resources, and no key strategic or geographical points of interest in Dresden, he found himself asking the question, why Dresden? Why me? Have you ever seen bugs trapped in amber? Well, here we are, Mr. Pilgrim. Trapped in the amber of this moment, there is no why. This book was released in the midst of anti-war sentiment during the Vietnam War, a time when many Americans were once again facing the reality of what did it mean to be sent to war? What were its costs to the country and to the individual? The country shifted into war mode, changing its productions, its resources, what we built, how we built it. But we sometimes forget that behind all of this, were people, and that's what Vonnegut's novel speaks to. So perhaps So It Goes means that there are things not in our control. The horrors aren't always our fault. Perhaps it's the effects wars have on us, as we find these shields to protect ourselves from facing the worst parts of humanity. And maybe it's most pessimistic to say, the phrase draws our attention to death, or we might have glossed over it otherwise. of all time slaughterhouse five by kurt vonnegut this is my sixth time reading this and i'm very excited to spend some time to go through this today with you and talk about what are some things that you could know beforehand that would help enrich your reading experience it was an amazing ride we have a lot planned for you today as we discuss what maybe will help you enjoy this book more before you even start reading it so in terms of plan today we've already covered so it goes with that intro skit we're going to go through expectations versus reality. Sometimes you hear things about this book. We kind of want to share our version of what you hear. We're going to talk about Kurt Vonnegut Jr., his life from a biography standpoint. I'm a guy that has read several of his biographies, and I think understanding Kurt is very important for how we interpret this text. Up next is the world landscape. Crypto here is our history teacher, so he's going to share some of the history behind this because it's important not just to understand the context of where the book setting is, but also where we were as a country and as a world when the book was actually published in 1969. And then we're going to go with Unstuck in Time, a very famous phrase from this book, and talk about Billy Pilgrim's reality to hopefully get the juices flowing, and then we'll wrap it up 
with Pootie Tweet. Basically, what's going to happen next is we're going to do some analysis. We're going to have some live streams. We'll leave links down below for those playlists. But for right now, let's jump into things that would help you in your first-time experience get the most out of this text. First up is expectations versus reality. Expectation number one, that this is a anti-war book and is all about PTSD. There's this great section in the opening chapter where Kurt Vonnegut is talking to Harrison Starr. And Harrison Starr hears that he's writing an anti-war book, to which he replies, why don't you write an anti-glacier book instead? So this book has tons of comedy, but the joke is you can't really stop the glaciers, but you can't stop wars either. And you have to remember, particularly in this time period, America had been to a lot of wars. So don't go into this book thinking that this is going to be how we can be anti-war. This is more of Kurt Vonnegut expressing some of his reactions and feelings to being sent to World War II and some of the horrors that he saw. As Kurt points out in the very beginning of the book, the words didn't come to him. He was returning home from war and he just couldn't find the right way to write his experiences. And it would take another 20 years before he'd be able to share with us what he went through in World War II. So Vonnegut was tasked with creating these fictional characters. But what does it mean when the fictional characters in his story are saying and acting out the same things that he did and saw in real life? So his real life is almost invading the fiction, but many critics argue, did Kurt Vonnegut have PTSD himself? Did he, is that why he repressed these memories? Did they come flooding back to him at various points? And that's why he was able to articulate this so well from what Billy Pilgrim's experience was. And that's when you start to realize the fictionality of his characters start to invade his real life too, where even in this book, Kurt Vonnegut becomes a character. The real and nonfiction-ish parts of the book all of a sudden, you start talking about these crazy things like aliens and stuff that probably aren't real in real life. So there's this constant deconstruction of reality and fiction in the process of this book. And I think that's something that we kind of need to think about from a reader's perspective. And ultimately, you have to remember that Vonnegut's writing this at the height of the Vietnam War, and he is meant to question the realities of what war truly means, and that in most of the time, war is being glorified, and there's all this propaganda that is bombarding our senses. And Vonnegut's trying to tell all those returning vets, hey, you're not alone. Other people have suffered through this just like you are. Not only are they not alone, it's not their fault might be another way to interpret the text. Expectation number two. It is an empty sci-fi book and too silly to be taken seriously. Okay, first of all, it's not just a little too silly. It's way too silly. This is Kurt Vonnegut, <laughs> and he uses comedy to deliver a gut-wrenching, truthful statement in three words that would take any other author... 20. In the story itself, it feels like he's kind of making fun of himself because there is a quote in the story about how you reinvent yourself through sci-fi. So they were trying to reinvent themselves and their universe. Science fiction was a big help. An example would be using aliens to try to describe human behavior. You know, I've seen another movie where they talk about how we exchange money and they describe it as this human gave tree bark to the other human. Once he received the tree bark and it looked good, he allowed the other human into the facility. Like, it's just funny when you get this great 
outside ridiculous look at our behavior, and it almost just kind of rips away the assumptions that we have about our reality, and sci-fi is just such a cool way to really get that view into our actions. So sci-fi is the necessary vehicle for Vonnegut to discuss trauma, and he uses comedy as a garnish to help kind of digest all of that. Expectation number three. The main character is a boring, wet rag. Well, okay, no, that one's true. <laughs> right? <laughs> but let's think about this. If Vonnegut's purpose is to deconstruct the war novel, it's important that his characters don't take on this fictional role that we usually put into novels. We have these expectations that our characters are going to rise to the challenge, that they're going to see an obstacle and overcome it, and there's going to be a reward or some type of moral obligation that's pushing them towards an end goal. What I love about this book, and one thing you'll realize that Vonnegut has done, is he takes the traditional and throws it out the window. Usually your hero has special skills and can build a bomb out of literally anything. They have tissue paper and a wire and boom, they save the day, not Billy Pilgrim. And that's something that is so wonderful and endearing about his unique character. So Kurt Vonnegut will stay true to his promise to Mary O'Hare that he's not going to depict these fictional war heroes and glorify war to something that he didn't think it was. Expectation number four is the story jumps around randomly all the time. Get the joke? (laughs) (laughs) Pun intended. Something that is extremely jarring for first, second, third, fourth, and even fifth time readers. This is my sixth time, and I'm just now kind of grasping with this concept, is authors typically assign this prologue and epilogue to allow the author to make commentary on their book when they think they need to guide the reader. But what Kurt Vonnegut does is chapter one is almost like this nonfiction telling and he just kind of randomly drops the word aliens and stuff in there. And you're like, wait, I'm so confused. What, what are we doing here? What he's doing here is specifically attempting to call to attention how this isn't a traditionally structured novel. He will tell you that characters are going to die before you meet the characters. He will tell you things, such things about the characters that they don't even know yet. And this is all meant to break that cycle of, you know, rising action, climax, resolution, falling action. And perhaps that might make them more real than your attachment to how a fictional character is supposed to behave. Although it may feel like it's all random, I think what Kurt Vonnegut's doing here is brilliant because he is subverting your expectations by taking traditional, maybe kind of in the beginning, and then playing with it all the way through to chapters two through nine, even mid-sentence sometimes, and then doing this blend together where you're seeing grief and real life intertwined and a beautiful narrative story to try to portray what is the point of war, and is there one? The war broke Vonnegut, and maybe that's one of the most important takeaways, is what happens to a person's mind when that happens, and how this story reflects that. And maybe we can all just share a little bit of the patience and the understanding of what it's like for people that are suffering from these truly horrific events, And how hard it is for them to focus and not constantly have their mind wander back to one of the darkest parts of their lives. Now let's get into Kurt Vonnegut Jr. himself. Talk about his life and how that mirrors and how he uses Billy Pilgrim as a coping mechanism. Kurt Vonnegut Jr. was born in 1922, the third with Bernard and Alice as his older siblings. 
Growing up, Kurt was frequently estranged, and I have a quote from his biography. The relationship between his parents illustrated almost nothing about tenderness and sexuality, and echoes of it can later be found in his novels. His stories are rife with loneliness, bad relations between parents and children, unsuccessful attempts at romance, and a kind of chilliness of the heart that prevents the protagonist from feeling emotion. Oh, that makes me feel melancholy. <laughs> so what happened was Kurt kind of grew up and his siblings kind of picked each other and tended to play together. And that furthered Kurt's loneliness from his mother being obsessed with materialism and his father trying to push these guns onto him that he had no interest in. Kurt eventually turned to comedy as a way to get people's attention, to get people to like him, making jokes to have his sister be on his side instead of Bernard. And that kind of set the foundation for a lot of Kurt's writing, where his characters may feel different to you, but they're the real people to Kurt who had a lifelong struggle of trying to connect with his family members and friends and just struggling with it and using comedy as a way of roping in a laugh. A great way to describe this is actually a German word, Stradenfreude, which means that you are deriving pleasure from another person's misfortune. So you're getting a laugh at Billy's expense. It's okay to laugh at some of these darker parts of the story, some of this dark comedy. He's giving you permission to laugh at this because he wants you to understand the emotional state of him slash Billy at this point in the story. Another thing that seemed to have impacted Kurt's view on helplessness is Bernard actually ran a microphone into his parents' room and overheard them talking and later went to a very young Kurt and said, Kurt, you were an accident. And Kurt Vonnegut is quoted as saying, I didn't know what an accident was, but it wasn't good. <laughs> Ouch, right? <laughs> so as wars start to happen, World War II comes around and the United States government pushes out a lot of war propaganda, as well as a lot of anti-German sentiment happening across America. And the, the Vonnegut started to hide or almost become a little bit ashamed or downplay their German heritage as a result. Kurt, feeling very anti-war, would work on his journalistic skills and write about how America shouldn't go to war, but that might be taken a little bit differently when it's coming from an American-German writer. So because of the circumstances, Kurt had no other options, and he found himself enlisted in the army and sent off to war in Europe, and all he really wanted to do was be the next great writer. He wanted to be the next Hemingway. And now the only thing he has to write about is war. And again, like we said before, he's going to struggle with that. In the 423rd Division, Kurt Vonnegut finds himself deployed into the Battle of the Bulge, an overwhelming win for most soldiers. But for his division, they lost brutally and were taken capture. And again, there were people that were left behind that he wanted to help, but he just couldn't, adding to his sense of helplessness. Definitely funny at the time and considered dark comedy now, but when Vonnegut and his buddy O'Hare are surrendering to the Germans, he yells, Nein Scheißen, which he thinks means don't shoot and actually means don't sh**. And the Germans all start laughing at him. And so there there was comedy that, that Kurt saw in his own life that he's able to draw upon and put inside of the novel here as well. And they're sent off to Dresden where they actually are housed in Slaughterhouse 5, an old slaughterhouse. And that's when the city of Dresden was bombed. So a lot of the events that you're reading in this book are things that he's trying to take 
real life nonfiction elements of his story and his real life and trying to craft how do I tell the story and the feelings that I had in it? So what we see is this echo of his real life in the story of the loneliness, the longing, the pain, the suffering is all coming out in the novel. So if it feels heavy as a reader, then Vonnegut is doing his job. He wants you to feel the effects of war and not just logically process it. So we talked a lot about Kurt himself, but remember, there's going to be external factors. So this brings us up to our next topic, the world landscape as a whole. So we'd had World War One and World War Two, which were very unique wars. And we'll talk about when Kurt is actually writing this in a little bit. But there's a lot of influences of World War One and World War Two. These were not the first true world wars, but they were unique as they were the first ones in modern time after industrialization that we see the idea of total war. Every aspect of the life of a country was put towards the war effort. If you had a job, you were probably in a factory making boots and blankets and bullets. If you were a soldier, you were working on telephone wires, you were driving a tank, you were fighting. All politicians, everybody from children, women, men, it didn't matter your age. Everything of a country, economics, propaganda, TV, was put towards the effort of winning this war. So that's the setting of the book is World War II and how everything becomes about the war. What about how this wasn't published until 24 years later in 1969, Crypto? Yeah, this is what I find very interesting is Vonnegut's writing about World War II, but he's doing it during the Vietnam conflict. And American sentiment is very different on how they feel about these wars. World War II, everything was glorified. The warriors came home from doing battle against the evil, and they were regarded as heroes. Parades were thrown for them, where the soldiers returning from Vietnam were looked down upon with a little bit more shame, and they were called bad names like baby killer. So the feelings were very different, and... Kurt is trying to say that his experience was very different from what, and maybe kind of giving a lifeline to these Vietnam soldiers that are not receiving the warm welcome that he did when he returned home from the war. So we're going to dive more into how to pull some of these real life events, what's happening in terms of World War II, what was going on with Vietnam and some of our spoiler and live stream chats that are coming up. Again, the playlist will be provided down below once we have those. Let's move into Unstuck in Time and talk about Billy Pilgrim's reality. This brings us to one of the most unique aspects of this book is this idea of time travel. Frequent moments throughout Billy's life, you will see him become unstuck in time and the story will jump the narrative either forward into Billy's life or reverse back to when Billy was younger before he's experienced the war. But the war is kind of the central focal point of the whole novel, and you're bouncing back and forth, forward, back, forward, back, around what happens to him in Dresden in World War II. Billy Pilgrim became this externalization of his memory and how he can't necessarily change the memory in the same way that Billy can't impact his present, past, and future. This character has become an extension of Vonnegut's inability to change truly horrific things. Now, many will point out that Billy Pilgrim is an optometrist, clearly a play on his profession because he sees more. He sees <laughs> more time than the other person. Additionally, his last name is Pilgrim, another clear play on words with him being one that is going on the journey as he travels through time. 
being ripped back and forth through various points in his life. It is important to note that this is not an omniscient narrator. You are only viewing this through Billy's eyes or what Vonnegut is experiencing through PTSD. A good way to look at this is Vonnegut makes Billy Pilgrim the port through which we experience this story. As we talked about earlier, he's not a main character that's going to use agency and impact the plot. Instead, it kind of reminds me of this old ride at Disney World. It's not there anymore, but it was called 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And you got crammed into this little submarine and it moved in a circle around this underwater container where there's just tons of animatronics, things on timers that just continually do these loops and do the same things over and over again. And you'd move forward and you couldn't impact anything. Once you're on the ride, all you can do is just sit there look out through the viewing port and see everything that's pre-programmed to operate the exact same way it always operates. That's Billy Pilgrim in this story as we're jumping around through time. So it might be frustrating for you to want Billy Pilgrim to impact things. I think this is part commentary from, from Kurt Vonnegut to elucidate how PTSD can allow people to feel so helpless and unable to change things, particularly when they're just pawns to the governments as they wage wars that they may not even want to be fighting in. I love this analogy because you can imagine yourself in the submarine, right? And there's that little tiny viewport and you only get a snippet of what is actually happening. And that's Billy. And you're going to get frustrated by that because you're only seeing what Billy is seeing. And that's like real life. As human beings, we only get to see what happens to us and we don't see what happens to other people. And Vonnegut's trying to explain to us that, hey, this is what happened to these people thousands of miles away while you were working in a factory. And you'll see things like he drops the serenity prayer talking about how there's things that you can't control in life, but hopefully you have the wisdom to see the things that you can. And you'll see that if you look at Vonnegut's writing as a whole, a lot of times his morality comes out where you see people choosing to be kind in the small moments in life. Let me wrap this up with a quote from actually another one of Vonnegut's book that I think really summarizes kind of what Vonnegut goes for a lot of time in his writing, but perhaps his separation from others has a hard time pulling it out. Hello, babies. Welcome to Earth. It's hot in the summer and cold in the winter. It's round and wet and crowded. On the outside, babies, you've got a hundred years here. There's only one rule that I know of, babies. God damn it, you've got to be kind. It's good advice. Really good advice. Up next is Pooty Wheat. We're going to be talking about what's coming next. We're going to have some discussion <laughs> videos that are going to be very spoiler-filled for those of you that want to kind of go a little bit deeper into this text, as well as a live stream where we're going to be able to interact with others, and that's going to be over on Christy Lewis's channel. We'll put a link down below. Even after the live stream, you'll be able to check it out in post. A couple other key things that we can discuss as well is, are the aliens real or not, or is this all in Billy's head? And then another big issue is the controversy that surrounds this book is it's been banned in many high schools around the nation. And Crypto and I have both also consumed the audiobook of this read by James Franco, as well as the comic book that was written by Ryan North. 
let's talk a little bit about all of this, kind of wrap up Slaughterhouse-Five. This should just be a great celebration as this is my favorite novel of all time. And I hope you guys can either get some joy out of this, even if this isn't your favorite. Hopefully I can bring a little bit more of a smile to your face as we kind of talk about some really cool things with this book. Guys, we look forward to you joining us on the live stream so we can have some great discussions about this. We'll leave a playlist down in the description below where you can watch our other Kurt Vonnegut videos. We post videos every Monday and Thursday, so please hit that subscribe button to join us. Pootie Wheat. So it goes. <laughs>